Before we get started, I just wanted to tell you that today's interview was also a video interview that can be found on my YouTube channel, Eric Hunley. I also have live streams, and if you listen to this the date it comes out, my live stream later today is with Thomas Picora of the CIA. If you don't catch it live, that's fine. You can always catch a repeat. I have others like Robin Drake of the FBI, as well as Dana Reidenauer and Jerry Williams, also of the FBI. And on the channel, you will find some great video interviews like Henrik Fexius. I have a live stream with him as well. He is known as the Darren Brown of Sweden. And I'm really proud to say coming extremely soon, I have Jack Barsky. Jack is the undercover KGB operative who lived in the United States for 10 years. He will be on the live stream and he will be able to answer your questions in the chat. Now for today, I bring you Anne Marche Oud and we discuss workplace communication. My name is Eric Hunley and this is Unstructured where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Today, we are joined by a fantastic person. I'm going to try the name, probably mutilate it, but Anne Marche Oud. Wow. Anne Marche Oud. Marche. Anne Marche Oud. And yes, I will be cutting and editing on that. Yeah. (laughs) How are you doing today, Anne? I'm good, and I'm impressed because it's such a terrible name to pronounce if you're not from uh, the Netherlands. So let's say you did your best, but you can always call me Anne during this conversation now because else you, you have this tongue twister going on. Sold. Yeah. I will be. Yeah, yeah that's, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Now, Anne, your specialty is going into corporations and exploring or, or working with, would it be workplace conflict or just workplace communication? I would say communication, because if you just say conflict, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's people who want to be more, you know, self-assured or they are working in a team and they want to do better. So I would say communication, although that is very broad. Um, we always say it's about behavior. So okay. we come in businesses and talk about behavior. Okay. And to put everybody on track, uh, you were recommended to me by the great Joe Navarro, who is possibly the best in the world at body language. If not, he's in the top five. And I would say he's the best, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is going to your conference and um, Chris Hadnagy, a mutual friend of ours. So definitely enjoy that. But body language then, and that's something I cover a lot, is part of what you explore. Mm-hmm. What I'm interested in, though, and... I have found that we worry about body language and we say, okay, well, are the arms closed off? Are they doing this? Are they scratching their nose? That's all cool. But what do we do with it? Good question. Well, let me start with the arms crossed because every time I start a lecture and and Joe will say the same, it is always seen as, oh, we know this. And it means somebody is closed off, you know, and then everybody thinks, hooray, we know something about body language. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me say first, it's it's called a self-hug. Mm-hmm. And that already says us something. So it's not it's not like a shield. It's not and we we try to comfort ourselves all the time. Right. So that's that's one thing I always want to address. And secondly, it is exactly what you say, we have to look at everything. It mm-hmm. is not just one tiny thing or here or there or whatever. You always have to look at the whole body. But also, and this is why I love doing my job, is everything that is influencing the situation. So uh, the interaction between you and me is already different than when you have an interaction with somebody else. And you might have the same body language, but when the other person is different, there's an interaction going on and there is different body language going on. And then you also have the setting. So to make a long story short, what can we do with it? is analyze it, we can use it to analyze, but then you have to adapt it to the situation. Because if the situation is going fantastically well, mm-hmm. well then nobody's in trouble and we all love it. But usually, or you can say sometimes in business situations, there it goes a bit off or goes a bit wrong. Sure. And then it's fantastic if we can read the body language, but also adjust it. 
Now, I've had a lot of people on uh, Chase Hughes uh, is a great example of it. And what he recommends and others is to just spend a little time. You've got to find a, a baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what you do, too? Because you can't read somebody if you don't know what they act like normally. Yeah, but I absolutely I fully agree on that. And what, what I would like to add is also your own baseline. Because what we we do a lot, it, it, when you talk about nonverbal communications, a lot of people always focus on the other person. But sure. what I try to do with my business is making people aware of their own body language. Mm. How do you do this? When do you feel comfortable? So when you are in a situation and you kind of um, realize like, hey, I'm doing something that I normally don't do, then you can use it. Oh, maybe I'm uncomfortable. So I would definitely go for baseline, but mostly your own baseline, knowing how you are, what your behavior is and what your preference is. That's interesting. Now, does that get into like mirroring and trying to, shall we say, approach people in a mutually comfortable manner? I don't I, I don't know if I'm wording that well, but, you know, some people are Dutch and a bit more direct. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> or yeah. they may be more flowery language or they may be more introverted. Yes. Is that something that you need to look at in yourself too to kind of maybe um calibrate? Would that be a good word? Yeah, it could be a fantastic word. I think it's very important if you calibrate uh well as Joan of Arrow also says, but um, I also teach that, is it's about comfort for both people. Mm. So if you fully mirror somebody and you see people doing this sometimes after a course, oh, I know about mirroring, and then they, you know, they try to do exactly sure. what the other person does, that it's not authentic. So it's not aligned with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are able to come to this level where you mirror the behavior of the other in a way that it is also authentic for you and also comfortable for you, then you see that the comfort is, is, is going. And yeah, that's really, uh, that's really helpful, especially in business situations. So I, I think t- we all, all had that awkward situation like, oh, <laughs> this is not, this is not aligned. So yeah. Well, this starts to get into the other subjects. And I think I've spoken to you in the past about how I feel that reading body language and persuasion and even marketing are all part of a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And the calibration, the mirroring, and the comfort level, is it sometimes a technique to sort of mirror and then start shifting? So it's like follow, follow, lead. I'm not quite sure how you see that. Maybe you could elaborate on that. Like you start to get a rhythm. It's sort of like when people are sitting together, their breaths will start to line up over time. Even their heartbeats can align. Mm -hmm. Go and and try to be receptive and open to the other person and then speaking in the same manner and Mm -hmm. then kind of start shifting your behavior. So you follow them to sort of Mm -hmm. lock into it and then you shift. That's like a, a persuasion technique. It's almost into hypnosis stuff, but mm-hmm. I didn't know if that was something that you practice or observed. Uh, um, I think there's so many different techniques that people use. And um, what you see is that with alignment, it, it, there are a thousand ways. And especially, for instance, if you think about Chris Voss, when he talks about negotiation, those mm-hmm. kind of things are really important. But if what I always try to do is take it back to who are we? And, mm-hmm. and we are having a conversation. And if you feel comfortable and I feel com- comfortable, we can achieve things. And that oh, makes sure. it very, maybe very um, simplified. But if you if you think about it too much and like, oh, now I'm going to adjust this. I don't think it works for people. I think when people really start to connect with their own behavior and, and observe others and see how they can make somebody feel comfortable without kind of acting because that's that's a a, a risk in these uh things when we talk about nonverbal communication and alignment and influencing others but if it's genuine but also with comfort for yourself and the others i think then what you said is is happening maybe naturally right no that that makes sense Um, and maybe some of it's being let in because of interrogation and, and and things of that sort too yeah that's different. I think, especially when you read 
um, all the books about interviewing techniques in situations where you really want to extract something under mm-hmm. high pressure, high stress. That is so much different than here you and I are having a conversation because we're trying to align here as well, you know, with a, a, a video call. It's also different than when we, we would be together sure. and really would focus on each other in nonverbal communication. Well, I heard. Sorry. That's a masterful segue that you just did because <laughs> one of my questions is how do we establish communication relationships over video, which everybody in the world is doing at the moment? Yeah. I heard the other day somebody said um, we're not made for th- for 2D uh, sure. communication. And that person said we're made for 3D communication. Um, I would like to say we're made for 4D communication. You know, you have these mm. movies where there's 4D where you can um, see everything, but also there's smell and, and, and movement and everything. And with the lacking of that, it's really difficult for people these days to actually come across in the way that they want to come across, but also that the alignment is so much harder because um, we try and it's it's nice that we have this equipment to communicate in a different way than just a phone, mm-hmm. but it's difficult. It's very difficult. So trying to use as much as you see me, you, you stand very still. You see me working with my hands all the time, which could be distracting, but I'm so used to emphasize, you know, when you're talking, this helps to make a point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's how you naturally are comfortably communicating, which is, which is perfect. And I have a, I don't know if it's been written somewhere, but I have a theory that there for every two people, there's three people in the conversation. And okay. What I mean by that is each person has their own elements, but the two people together, that particular chemistry is reflecting out a third um, entity, if you will. Okay. Because you you talk to your husband in a different way than you talk to your boss. You talk to this person in a different way than somebody else. And the way two people interact is creating another energy. And and what then is the third? This is interesting. I've never heard this before. What would you say is the third person then or the third the, entity the third person is like a, a reflection like if you're on the outside looking at them you see one you see the other but then you see the interactions between them and that's like a third um entity i i don't know how to explain them you know this is stuff that i'm coming up with okay that is completely ridiculous i'm sure <laughs> no 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 it's no, it's uh, no. Let me. Nothing is ridiculous, and uh, because who knows, it might be the case. It's uh, it's it, actually we could try to. It would be interesting if you videotape people. Well, if you, you see people, see. Uh, here's a great example. You yeah. you work with a workplace environment. Yeah. Now you'll have two employees, and they'll have a lot of chemistry. And when they are together, their both their chemistry rises. Mm-hmm. And you feed off of this energy because they, you know, they're just going back and forth and riffing on each other, and it's almost like a, a magical thing going forward. Then you get somebody else who walks in the room who's mm-hmm. completely toxic to one or the other, and the interaction between those two people, both of them become something completely different, and then you're drawing energy off of this negative energy between the two of them. That's the third. Hmm. Okay. I never looked at it that way. I think. I always, I think if, what I understand is if when you can, when you walk into a room and you can feel this tension going on, mm-hmm. but I kind of try to see that in the behavior of the other. So I've never looked at it as, as, ener- as energy or something more of. Well, you're mixing two things. If, if you okay. think about it, it's like you know, oil and water, they don't mix, right? But then other yeah. things do. Okay. And you don't have that negative energy without both people together. Okay. And I think that's a very important factor. Okay. To, is how how do they interact with one another, and is that creating this toxic blend? Yeah. Instead of concentrating one or the other, maybe the combination, and then find out what is it. Can we add in a – and sometimes you add in a third person, and then the whole energy can shift yet again. Well, that I fully agree on. I'm just curious why you call that energy. So why um, – because uh, my yeah, vocabulary it's, is weak. No, 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 that's, no. It's not an attack. I'm just confused. Well, this is this might be Dutch. Um, sometimes when people talk about energy, it becomes sure. more soft. Like when you say entity, 
I'm mm. curious what what you mean by that. Um, by entity, I mean it is literally without the two of them together, the this overall mix does not exist. Yeah, and that mix is powerful enough that I almost consider that the third person. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I would think definitely. Couples are a great example of that, actually, because you have the husband, you have the wife, or, or yeah. spouse and spouse, so will be yeah. as correct as possible. If you talk to one, they're one thing. You talk to the other, they're another thing. But when they're together, they are absolutely a third thing. Yes. Well, and then I wouldn't say it's a third thing, but that's my personal okay. belief. I would say it's still them in a different setting. And um, if you say that's a third thing, that, that might be wh how you would describe it. I would always say, hey, the behavior, when you meet somebody else mm -hmm. with a different behavior, that has an effect. And that back and forth, well, you, you could call that uh, entity or energy. Third, I call it a third okay. identity, though, because both of them are expressing more of and subsuming some of their own individual identity to create the third interaction. Okay. Yeah, and I think I would call it the effect that the behavior has on on the interaction of them. Because if, sure. if you have the same style person, mm -hmm. it might be that it's the same effect. But anyway, this is this is like semantics here. I'm sorry I didn't mean to uh, no worries. make you feel uncomfortable or something, but yeah. I don't. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. But I I like to learn, I like to experiment and learn from experts like you. Well, it's, it's, I think it's always a perception how people see this. And I always try to make it as maybe simple, like, oh, now they're talking to each other. What's going on? Because mm -hmm. if, let me, let me rephrase this. If you say that when people have an interaction with each other, it's never the same. So mm -hmm. even the spouses you're referring to, if it's in the morning, then they have a different interaction sure. than uh, maybe uh, uh, at the end of the day when they're really tired or something. Mm -hmm. And that is intriguing to me. Like what caused that different behavior or the conflict in a team or something? Because what people sometimes do is, oh, it's that person. And when you put those two persons together, this happens. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I always try to say, okay, this is what we observe. We see this well sure. energy or this, this behavior going on. Why did this happen? Mm -hmm. And especially in teams when they're not really working together, sometimes people say, oh, those people, they just can't work together. You just shouldn't put them together in this team. But then I'm always intrigued, but what is it that they can't work together? Right. And if you can work on that behavior, which is possible, then they're still the same people, but they adapt to the situation. Sometimes the person you have the strongest conflicts with, you can become extremely close to because the conflict may be that yeah. you both feel very strongly and there's similarities there. But yeah. there's also the conflict could be that the person reminds you of a bully you had in fourth grade. Yeah. And yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just it's I don't projection. Like, I don't like gingers. You know, or yeah. some crazy thing like that. Like, yeah. oh, they've got, you know, um, that particular look or, or whatever. You have this, or their first name. I yeah. knew somebody, I knew a Bill, and Bill was mean to me, and I just don't like Bills. See, yeah. it's weird. Yeah, We're, it's very weird. And very dangerous, if not dangerous, maybe that's not the word, but, but concerning. Mm -hmm. um, because luckily, like you are aware, and a lot of people luckily are aware, like, oops, this might be my projection or this might sure. be my past talking but sadly in a way you could say it's nice because then I have a lot of business but sadly <laughs> sadly people don't know this all the time and when you start analyzing or working with a team mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're like oops this is this is nothing to do with you this has to do with my projection or this has to do with my past uh yeah so that's that's sad. So how would you approach that? Would you try to discover and then maybe reframe the situation as, as they're talking to each other? You mean when two people are in conflict? Yes. Um, yes and no. Depends on the situation. And I'm not a mediator or something. They, they hire me for behavioral advice. And, mm -hmm. and so it depends on the situation. But usually it's just talking. And um, then they say all the things they want to say to this person that they haven't said in a while. And they can mm -hmm. say that to me. Um, and the other person gets to do the same. 
And the funny are you, one, are you in the same room when they're doing it? No, no, not in the beginning. No, first it's <laughs> okay. separate. Well, no, like then there would be and... different energy. Oh, there would be a third uh, problem then going on. <laughs> no, this is the, and it's the way I'm, I'm like, I, when you do this, it's, I would say, fantastic and worrying at the same time because what they say, sometimes they literally say the same thing. Mm. And actually, they agree on something. But they've never said it to to each other because there's, uh, you know, bad vibes. So Do you say. ever ask them what would the other person say about them about this? I'm just curious because that's yes. I've always found to be fascinating when you say, what would Bill say you think of such and such? Sometimes they're dead on. Yeah. And and that helps because if, if you allow them to vent, which this is what I see in businesses, the, the venting, just saying what needs to be said in an early stage, because if mm-hmm. you wait too long and the conflict sure. will goes up, um, if you allow yourself, but also other people to, to vent on, Hey, wh- how do you see me? Or what is, what, what do you think is wrong with this project? Or what did I, what is my mistake? Actually business, well, not business improves, but the interaction improves. And then, mm-hmm. um, communication and the business improves. So in these kind of situations, people are happy sometimes. And well, not not that they become best friends, but as you described before, mm-hmm. it, it is possible that it's all of a sudden they start understanding each other like, oh, I didn't know. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then they start working in a better way. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Well, it helps at least build a potential respect. If not a friendship, just a respect, like, okay, your life experience to this point is A, and mine is B. I can understand, though, if I lived in A, that I might, you know, feel the same way. And that's a lot of it right there. It's just a whole, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. And what we try to do is make them describe the behavior very specific. Do you have any examples? Yes. Yes. Um, let me start on, on, on working with teams. Oh, you start laughing. <laughs> Why was that? <laughs> no, I'm smiling. We talked yeah. about having examples ahead. And yeah. Thrilled. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> do I have an example? Well, let, let me do a general example first. Sure. If, if there's, because else it's a very specific conflict, but That's when cool. you are working together and somebody says, I don't like this person that doesn't work. Because nobody knows why, and it could be because the name is Bill, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to analyze what it is. So it's a bit of like scrutinize why he doesn't like that person. And let's say it's as simple as the name. Okay, then you're done. But sometimes it can be really specific things like, yeah, he comes up. Uh, I had this one day that uh, somebody came um, like every morning, the person came into the the room, which was an open office. So uh, in the Netherlands, it's kind of normal to have these open offices that everybody works together. Mm. And this person came in always five or 10 minutes later than actually should be. Mm. And then he was all like bombastic and uh, hi, everybody, and putting his stuff down and kind of being noisy and loud. And it mm. started with a little irritation on the other person I was talking to up to the point where she couldn't stand him anymore. Like, Oh, he's so annoying and he makes this noise all the time and he's so <laughs> loud and I hate it. And I asked her, did you ever tell him, did you ever address that? He's so loud uh, to you and noisy. And it, uh, she also didn't like that. He wasn't on time, all those kind of things like the behavior. Did you ever tell him? She said, no, you should know that. Exactly. And then this to me is so surprising all the time. Like how possibly can somebody adapt to your comfort level if they don't know what makes you feel less comfortable? So what we did in this case is so, okay, tell you sit together. Or I I think we did it in a session with everybody at that point because it was his Mm. whole team. And then we said, just tell each other and not in a Dutch blunt way, like you are doing it wrong, but (laughs) constructive. You know, very constructive and describing the behavior and the effect. Because mm. if you say you are coming in loud, you are late, that's not effective. But if you say I'm so distracted, I'm starting my work at nine, then I open my email, I'm working already. And then you're coming in pretty loud, you're distracting me. And then I'm 
and you know all those kind of things and then I cannot work and he's like oh well I thought it was fun you know and then he didn't know what he was doing or what he was causing mm. so I don't know if that would be an example but sure and if he came in 10 minutes prior then he'd probably be fine also yeah that was that was another thing that uh, needed to be addressed like hey why are you why are you 10 minutes late? And um, there's also, the, this was interesting as well. Like, is there an allowance in a business, in an office? Like, if you're 10 minutes late, um, if somebody, no, this was funny, or funny, I shouldn't say funny. Let me rephrase that. Um, it was interesting to find out that why he was late, and he never told anybody, is he had to drop off his children. Mm. And, but he never said it. So when everybody knew, they were fine with him being 10 minutes late. And mm. he always worked uh, 10, 10 minutes, minutes late. over. Over. So it wasn't the fact that it was the 10 minutes. It was that he didn't tell others. So it's well, understanding I, each other. I'm guessing that's a lot of your job, right? Is to just dig that one step deeper to help explain anomalies. Yeah, that might be a nice... Uh, summary of my job I think yeah I'm not always working with conflicts usually it's, it's like one-on-one -on -one coaching that people just want to get something across and it doesn't work so mm. but then also I have to analyze why isn't it working what are you doing or what are you not doing so and that would be for like a presentation or something you might work with somebody how to I don't know put forth a proposal to their CEO yeah, it could be that. It could be a proposal, could be a presentation, could be actually uh, wanting a new project or working in a project within a team where you feel kind of intimidated and you want to stand out more or yeah, various things. Actually, I'm, I'm, I can't say everything, of course, but I'm coaching a, a, a doctor now in, mm. these, in these, well, as we say, stressful times. Um, and this is this is fantastic to help her out because she's stressed. Mm. Uh, so she just wants to say, okay, how can I deal with the stress? Which is, uh, we can talk about like, okay, why do you get stressed? But also make it very behavioralized. What can I do? What's the action I can take? That's what I try to do. Always make it into an action or like do something. What can you do? Well, that's huge too with doctors. There's been a some studies. And I don't remember where I heard it. it was Gladwell or somebody like that, but they would just record the tone of a doctor's voice and people could predict by listening to seconds of the tape, which doctor was going to be sued for malpractice. Yeah. So the idea of working on communication with somebody like yourself for a doctor, yeah. Yeah. this is more than just getting on day to day. It could mean an entire yeah. career yeah. because there are some people who the doctor could do nothing wrong and they don't feel good or whatever. And they want to sue the doctor for malpractice. Then there could be another doctor who's completely in error and mm -hmm. the people will never sue them because yeah. there's no way that doctor could have ever done that to them. Yeah. That's not just with doctors. It's, it's with, I would say every business you see it in banks, you see it in politics. And actually there was one example that was really shocking to me, I must say. Um, and it also, I felt very, very grateful that I get to do this. Sometimes I work with actors so people can, you know, um, uh, practice what we're trying to teach them. And we simulated a conversation with a doctor and a patient. And this doctor said, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to ask all these questions sometimes because if they don't tell me what's going on, well, then they don't tell me if I just have to, you know, mm. ask all the time. Well, I, I'm not. A, what did he say? I'm not an interviewer. So, OK, so we but he wanted to learn. So he wanted to learn more on, on asking questions. So we did this simulation and he was he was trying to do this. Now, when we work with actors, it's all natural. So it's not a pre-written uh, play or something. It's just in the here and now. Improv. Yes, you could you could say improv and then really reacting in the in the session on the behavior of the doctor in this case. And what happened was so the doctor was asking questions and the actor was telling him what was going on. And so end of story. And then something happened. The doctor said, I cannot believe this. And we said, what? 
says, I cannot believe this. Just by asking three more questions than I do normally, I have the whole story now. Mm. I cannot believe I didn't do this before. I was lazy. Mm. And then we were all like, oh, my God, he has seen the light because we were so happy. But you that... keep a straight face like, oh. No, on. no, no. I cannot keep the straight face. <laughs> I, I, I try to. I try to. But I also think sometimes it's good to show people that I said, wow, but this is I said, that's fantastic. But I also said, this is confronting because what if you wouldn't have done this? Mm. And, he's, and he was he was shocked himself, like, wow, just three more questions. I was lazy. And then being Dutch, sometimes I say, yeah, you were lazy. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's a Dutch doctor. And he was a Dutch doctor. Oh, he's right. still a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Oh, I'm sorry to pick on you. <laughs> I, no, it, it's, it's fine. I, culturally that way, I know um, I have a friend, Hunter Motz, who's Dutch, and he's spoken long and deep about it. And it's a fact that if you guys don't point out problems, your whole country goes underwater. Yeah, you could say that. But I think, to be honest, it helps people as well. I also teach this in, in England. Mm. And there's this reluctancy sometimes to give feedback in the in the way that I do. But when you help people on saying that it might be helpful to do it, it might be helpful to, well, confront people sometimes in a nice way, not in a in your face, but and, and they see the effect, then all of a sudden they pick up on it and say, oh, this is actually helpful to give somebody feedback instead of, oh, let's not say this. So even abroad, it, it is uh, more and more accepted, I would say. Yeah. Well, it depends on where you are, too. I mean, you work with Americans, I imagine, it's time to time. In America, somebody from New York, which happens to be Dutch-founded. Yes. Very good. New Amsterdam. Yeah, they love it. Yeah, it's really and, good. Um, people who are a little Southern might, Spoon a little sugar with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, but they also like it. This is the thing. Nobody likes feedback. Even in the Netherlands, it's like, no, no. I, you, you want to do well, at mm -hmm. least most people that you want to, you, you want to know that you're doing good job and that people sure. like you. And so feedback is the, up, sometimes it's difficult to do this because it feels like an attack. Mm -hmm. And then people go as you know in a freeze mode, or they are like attacking the other person. Um, but if you can do this the right way, and you say what the effect is, and that it might be helpful if they change it, then it's less of a problem because then it doesn't feel like an attack. But I think nobody likes feedback if it's you know you're even doing this now. Mm. <laughs> that was funny. No, don't yeah, you don't like feedback. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Won't no, you. that's fine. It's funny because what you're saying, it's almost like an, you can use an additive to make it better. Like, well, you can do what you're doing now. And if you did this as well, that would be really powerful. Yeah. Yes. And that's kind of not attacking. It's like, at, it's saying, oh, do we, or if you're doing, do what you're doing now and maybe a little less of this and a little more of that. Yeah. But here, this is where we go into detail. When you say, well, you know, the high tone of your voice, people <laughs> pick up on that and they say, oh my God, he means something else. And this well, is also is when you say like, oh, this is so great, but we already hear, feel the butt coming well, a in. The butt is awful. Yeah. Yeah, because so, the butt negates everything that was said prior. Yeah, exactly. And what I think is really powerful, if you, it's just, if you can describe something and you say what the effect is on you, then there's mm. still a choice for this person. I mean, I might, for instance, with my hands, I, I do this as a lot, might be very annoying to people. So if they say, oh, Anne, when you're talking, you're doing all of that with your hands, that distracts me uh, because then I'm looking at your hands all the time. Mm -hmm. Then I can say, oh, I need to know this. I need to remember that this is could be distracting for people. And then I kind of have a choice. Like, do I want to stop that or maybe do it less so that it might not be distracting? Or I could mm -hmm. say, you know what? Mm, I might not because it doesn't. I, I want to. I don't want to do that. So there's still this choice that somebody has. If you address mm -hmm. the feedback and you address uh, the effect it has. So, yeah, I think what you said earlier, it's, it's, it's also you have choices. You don't have to do it. But you have to be very careful that it's not like fake feedback. 
This is really oh, good. Sure. But you could also add. Yeah. <laughs> Is there any feedback that you, I always like to ask, if that's okay, I'll ask you questions. Like, is there feedback that you remember yourself that was something like, oh, no, somebody gave you some feedback? Um, I hate being put on the spot like that because I never remember anything. I have terrible memory. Okay. But I would say it happens all the time. And oh. over time, I'm getting old enough to where I just don't care. I would rather learn. It, yeah. You know, my image and everything used to be important to me. Now I'm at the point where it's like, correct me. I don't good. I would much rather know what I'm doing wrong. And I, I told you before the interview, I love being proven wrong. I'm strange. Yeah, but, that yeah. but why would you say wrong? Because this is always intriguing to me. Like what is right and what is wrong? Because I love precision. Okay. I love like more precision. scientific. Um, no, just even in language, I get excited when I can find the very specific word that mm -hmm. describes that action to the T. There's no wiggle room because in English, there are a lot of words that are generally true, as in an mm -hmm. arrow's flying on a path. It's true in that direction. Mm -hmm. But because it's flying in that direction doesn't mean it hits the bullseye. So precision in language precision and actions i i find that really 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 interesting well, but it is also uncomfortable and we get into the um 10,000 hour rule which is gladwell put it out was actually anders ericsson and gladwell sort of messed it up hmm. but it is the idea of not practicing making perfect but perfect practice makes perfect mhm mm does that make sense? Yeah. Actually, I, I tweeted today <laughs> um, that, um, if, well, it, I don't think there's such a thing as perfection. No. But, and there is the argument that uh, perfect is the enemy of done. Perfect is the enemy of done. Yeah. But you can keep improving and refining. Yeah, I think... When you say you practice and you practice that the journey that you can never achieve perfection, but you can become like excellent or an, an, mm -hmm. an expert at something. And right. and then you still have to learn. I mean, there's, it's so. But it's not just practicing. You have no, to exactly. make a concerted effort to practice very specifically. And, and it's uncomfortable. It's not. It's not joyful. And I'll use like a Tiger Woods. I don't golf, but I can recognize he doesn't just go out like a weekend warrior and just go smack, smack, smack at the balls. Yeah. Every stroke he takes, yeah. he's fully concentrating on doing it in an exact manner. And he does it yeah. over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. And that's essentially, believe it or not, kind of what I'm trying to do with interviews. Okay. So how, how is this going so far then? I don't know. <laughs> is, this, is it perfect? No. Well, I think I like the, the quote from Mohammed Ali where he says that I hated every minute of practice. Mm -hmm. But when he's doing it, then you need to prepare for those kind of things. And I think every time you do something, you, you can learn from it. So oh, sure. as you said, it's like you like to learn. And I think that I always love it when people want to learn. I hope that I do that myself because I, th there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. And when you see this, people that I, that I coach or teach, sometimes they're in this, like the level in a, in a business where they don't get feedback anymore mm -hmm. and nobody tells them anything or nobody sure. tells them they're wrong, as you would say, or they, they, they don't give them any feedback because they're afraid mm -hmm. of possible consequences. So, uh, and then, yay, I can say something about their behavior. So that's very nice. Yeah. Well, and, and wrong can be a loaded term. Sure. I don't mind it though, because I do think that there's, there's wrong. Mm -hmm. I guess again, we'll get into semantics. Yeah, then here we go again. Yeah. There's incorrect, yeah. which is probably more appropriate yeah. because wrong is doing something to someone, let's say, that is just malicious or terrible. That would be wrong. Yeah. 
I think in- what I always use incorrect or ineffective for what you want. Sure. Because that specific behavior that somebody says, oh, this is wrong, might be fantastic mm-hmm. on a different situation. So if you think about science, okay, there might be like black and white ideas mm-hmm. uh, and, and proven right and wrongs. But when it comes to communication and humans, I don't know if there's a right or wrong. You could, you could talk about ethics, as you say. Well, communication is more of an art than a science. Yes. I love that. Science there. But but, yeah, it is is an art. It's kind of like um, the difference between cooking and baking. Mm -hmm. Okay. I would say that communication is more on the cooking side than baking because baking, you have to have measurements or the cake's going to fall. Oh, I like that. So it's much more scientific. But Mm -hmm. with cooking, if you throw in a little too much salt, you can always add some sugar. And and in your communication, I'm sure you would agree that, oh, hmm, maybe I said that a little wrong. We're starting to go yeah. off the rails, but I can pull it back slightly or yeah. or maybe add a little bit more something else to help mitigate. Yeah. But it's all additive. Because yeah. like if I put too much salt in a dish, I can't just pull it out. Yeah. That's but I can do something to counter it. Yeah, but then what I what I like about this metaphor is that you have to be alert, mm-hmm. and in your in your because if you're cooking, I, some some people just do something, or with sure. baking and cooking they just do something. But what you're describing is somebody who's alert and aware. Like, oops, I'm going off the rail here, mm-hmm. and if you have that alertness, then you're already so so much further than a lot of people i would say and i don't mean you specifically but a lot of people yeah oh yeah i thought you didn't want to be put on the spot so i'm trying to Uh, restrain from that no that's okay (laughs) no Uh, what i mean is like a lot of people just do something and then when it's done and, and and somebody else evaluates or they evaluate themselves they're like oh yeah you know i couldn't have done it any I couldn't have done anything else. It's just the way it is, or this is just who I am. Yeah, that is not a phrase that I uh, believe in. Yeah. Well, okay. What do you have to watch for in yourself? Me? (laughs) Oh, yes. And especially because you can fall into the trap of you're the expert. Yeah. So now you're coming with authority. I'm a dummy. So no, that's just not change. true. I can change back and forth because I, I'm not an expert. So I can come up with my, you know, my goofy theory from the side or, or anything I want and I can shift on it. But I also know I have no real authority and no expertise and I shouldn't be taken seriously. You, on the other hand, now you're kind of a loaded weapon. So how do you what do you have to watch out for? Well, first, sorry, being Dutch, probably I'm going to I'm going to say something about what you just said, because that good. That's not true that because you have spoken to so many people and Mm. you pick up on things. So that's not true. You're not a dummy. That's kind of a like could be. I wouldn't say that because that that's never true. People pick up on everything. And and Mm. uh, so having said that, I think that what I've changed in the years, I I think there was this point where I wanted to help people in a way that I became a bit um, annoying. Like when somebody said, oh, I'm having trouble at work. Mm-hmm. And, and then they were saying the situation, they were explaining, oh, my manager is doing this and this and this. And I kind of jumped in with giving advice, um, you know, saying, oh, I see you doing this and that, or I hear you describing this behavior. That's very masculine of you, by the way. I don't masculine. know if you know that. That is known as a masculine trait. You know, the whole oh. why men and women can't communicate. I'm, I'm being serious. Okay. <clears throat> the whole thing of don't fix my problem, just listen. Yeah. I was. I still have the idea <laughs> of fixing problems. So when I see things, maybe that, maybe I'm a masculine, but uh, I think that it's was... a trait. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. I will, I will ignore that because sometimes they say that, no, it's a different behavior, but it could be a, a man thing. Well, actually, I think that is, um, maybe that is my problem when it, when it's about men and women, I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> here we go. That, that is, that is something that is in, in my line of business, there are a lot of male, sure. uh, 
coaches and writers and all these kind of things. And Mm -hmm. for instance, I love Amy Cuddy because she's done so much for the business in in showing that, uh, that, that women are also powerful and that they can also have the traits that you might describe as uh, masculine. But anyway, we're off track here. (laughs) That's fine. And I'm going to show you a video later called it's not about the nail. It's not about the nail. It is a brilliant video that describes that a whole behavior of communication. And it is, you know, a male, female. So like, like I said, it's a, it's a weird juxtaposition, but essentially it's a couple and a male and female. And the female has a nail coming out of the, her head right on the okay. forehead. There's a nail there. Okay. And she's like, I'm just, my head hurts so often. I can't concentrate. If I go to lay down, it just causes. Pro- and the guy, guy's like, but you, you just. It's not about the nail. And then she goes on and on. And everything goes. But you haven't. It's not about. It. And okay, it is very very hilarious. And then she goes to. She's like putting a sweater on and snagging. He's like, but it's not about the nail. Not about the nail. I, I well, would have to send it to you, and it yeah, is. Yeah, I'm having trouble with uh, with uh, picturing this. Like, sometimes it's not about the nail because then you have to think, oh, why did the nail get there? And then we have to figure out why that was the case. But, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. So you're too deep. Let's, in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like this has to this has to go now. Let me because you asked a question, and and I would like to go back to Please. that. If that is okay. Now, the question was what I should look out for. And I think that sometimes I am, I change that. But uh, trying to help people when they didn't say, hey, could you help me out? That was, that's not, that wasn't my best feature. And sometimes also being, um, I I hope I'm a good listener, but sometimes I want to fix things, you know, and then I like, oh, I know the answer or or yes, this is what you could do. And in the end, when I, what I've learned, if I if I just calm myself down, mm-hmm. you know, that might also be something I need to look out for. That I'm not too enthusiastic, and that I should calm sometimes. Um, but uh, then then people come, they ask the question themselves, like, "Hey, what would you do? Or could you help me out?" Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm very honored when they do that so they call me up or they say managers that I've been coaching and then in four years later they say again hey I've got this situation now and I need your help again so that that's fantastic I really like that yeah what's good and do you have ways that you might nudge them to coming around you know instead of like trying to correct their situation just be like oh you know, where you, you genuinely listen and yes, I'm exaggerating. So, but <laughs> where you listen, but you kind of just leave breadcrumbs to where if they're paying attention, they can come back and ask you, but not to do anything. You're like, just maybe ask them a couple open-ended questions. Like, Yeah. But I think to be honest, I'm, I'm a, I'm not really from the breadcrumbs. I'd like to be more direct in a way. <laughs> I wasn't talking about desire. I was talking about if you might have um, acquired that skill. To, so instead of being direct, you if I could do, yeah, I could do that. That is possible. But I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I think I misunderstand the question now. I, I was wondering because you said that you felt like you had a tendency to do that and you don't do it as much. So I yeah. didn't know if maybe you had other methods to where you would do breadcrumbs or something that would you show that you're open to help them, but you're not trying to force anything on them? Yeah, I think I just listen and ask them questions and sometimes literally say, do you need help with that? Or is there anything I can do? <laughs> so it's kind of direct still. Yeah. Maybe that's good, though, because they'd be like, no. Okay. Yeah, it, it helps them. Or they or they say, well, I need to think about it. And then, I say, and then it could be a breadcrumb. I say, well, anytime, if you need help, I'm here. So, um, but sometimes just like what we talked about before, sometimes if people vent, that is already helpful. So, but, uh, sometimes you see the things that what I, what I use a lot is the helicopter technique and yeah, that's, you have, that's, I'm writing on an article about that. That's, that's going to be there soon. Um, it's about 
how you can use the helicopter technique in a situation as a metaphor on what you can do. So I'll, I'll say something first on a difficult situation and then I'll try to explain the helicopter uh, technique with you. But what you see sometimes is that people are so in a situation that they don't know what to do anymore. Mm-hmm. And what I tried to do with my line of work is to help them get an overview and, and I could be the one who does that. So I can, and the helicopter met- metaphor means that you can do so many things. You can, you can fly high, you can go into detail, you can even go backwards. You know, the meta- mm. metaphor is that a helicopter can do a lot of things. So that's really helpful. But sometimes when you are in the setting, if you are in the situation as a manager or in a, in a conflict, you cannot do that anymore. And then I, I can there, be there to help you out. And that's a technique I use a lot for people to... I worry about the term helicopter. Oh, great. Oh, here we go. Semantics again. (laughs) Well, No, 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 no. It's a cultural thing, maybe. Have you ever heard of helicopter parenting? No, I haven't. It's a very distinctly American thing. And it's parents who are overprotective of their children. It's called a helicopter. Um, Some call it a snowplow. But they hover over their children all the time and make sure nothing ever goes wrong, et cetera, et cetera. And it's seen as kind of a negative, if you will. Snowplow is a variant where the parent will just clear anything out of their child's past so the child never yes, has to deal with it. I anything. know that term. With a broom, like, uh, what is it called? Oh, snowplow. <laughs> it's oh, a machine yeah, that yeah. pushes snow down the road. Um, yeah. And, I, yeah. I'm just letting you know that because it might be a... a confusing term yeah thank you well that's maybe that is my problem anyway like i'm hovering too much on uh, on people but um yeah that's a that's a good thing to know yeah this has been fantastic where can people find out more on me on or, you what on you do me. your business well uh, i'm on linkedin and they can look at the behavior company website um twitter uh so all those kind of things yeah okay you're the behavior with the uh you right because you're cool that that, that just that would be the british way of uh, writing it like behavior company and it's dot eu yeah dot eu because we're in europe all right well fantastic yeah. and thank you so much well thank you thank you for the opportunity and uh Talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed Anne. I think she was fantastic and has a lot to learn. And no, I'm not going to say her full name again, because that would be beyond my capabilities. And before we leave, I wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to a good friend of mine, Brett Allen, who is running a virtual conference on May 23rd where I will be speaking along with some other podcasters and previous guests you know, like Tyson Franklin, Pete A. Turner, Jason Piccolo, Larry Roberts, Joe Pardo, and more. That's off the top of my head. It's going to be great. A lot of fun people. It's all about interviewing and guesting and how to book guests. Oh, and Randall Kenneth Jones. Can't forget him. It'll be a lot of fun. I will be posting about it on my social media. You can also follow Brett Allen. That's A-L-L-A-N on all the socials. He runs the Open Mic Podcast. Look him up. And I also will be promoting as time gets closer. Thanks again so much for listening.